HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. This is your host, Dana Cowan. Welcome to Speaking Broadly on Heritage Radio Network a show where brilliant women in the food world share stories about their lives and careers that provide lessons and inspiration for anyone looking to succeed in any industry. Today, my guest is Amy Virginia Buchanan, an extraordinary woman who is the artistic director of Spring Street Social Society, as well as so many hyphenates, it would take up the whole show. But we'll start with singer, songwriter, performer, and clown. <laughs> uh-huh. Welcome. Right. Thank you, Dana. <laughs> so incredibly happy to have you here. Um, I think sometimes it's really good to start at the very beginning. And your beginnings are not entirely normal. As, uh, for, <laughs> not for, normal. Oh, no. <laughs> for those of us in a Brooklyn bunker. Um, True. Because your life began all throughout the Midwest. Exactly. So uh, you are in North Dakota, Oklahoma. Can you tell us a little bit about your creative beginnings in the creative Midwest? Yeah, totally. Um, So, yes, I I grew up uh, mostly in Oklahoma. Um, My family now lives in Fargo, where the entire rest of my family um, resides. They live in North and South Dakota as well as Minnesota. Um, We're all kind of centrally located there. Um, And then I went to school in Kansas and I went to school for theater. Uh, I mostly studied 
um, you know, Shakespeare. I was super into linguistics. I, I did a lot of like dialect coaching. Um, and as I was like preparing to, um, go out and be like an adult in the real world, uh, I was looking into grad school programs for linguistics. I was considering moving to Chicago with my improv troupe. I was like in this ridiculous, I was the only woman in an all male improv troupe. Um, and we would like perform, uh, in Kansas City and, and around our campus in Lawrence. Um, and then I went to New York on winter break. I got a, I got a grant to come up here and, and like very small scale produce a show. And I fell like completely in love with New York. Um, I saw some of the most amazing, intense, um, you know, downtown theater. And, and it was theater that I had never seen before in the Midwest. In the Midwest, it was all very like scripted and old and, um, not, not particularly fresh. And, you know, I'm, I, uh, if you're familiar with Dave Malloy, who just had a show open up on Broadway recently, um, I saw him perform this show called Three Pianos that like changed my life. It was totally different. And after that, a friend of mine took me to a clown reunion. Um, where, where what happens at clown reunions? Um, well, they all meet up at the Burp Castle, which is a bar in the East Village, where there's like the bartenders wear like little like monk outfits and they shush you, right? And so with all these clowns, and we're being shushed every five minutes. And uh, I, I felt so at home with all the clowns. They were all so fun and funny and interesting. And they got me super drunk and convinced me to go to clown school that night. Like, like I filled out an application. And you actually followed <laughs> through. And I did. Yeah, I, went, I, I sent in my audition. Um, auditions had already closed for the following year. But they, they were like, you seem great. Send it in anyways. And then a month later... I was calling my dad to say, forget grad school. I'm going to clown school. <laughs> so is there something, I mean, it's pretty brave, I think, to, you know, take this on, to leave home, leave everything you know, and come to New York, which is foreign. And, and you've said, I mean, bravery is a, a word that recurs um, in your writing. And also that New York isn't the most comfortable place. So no. <laughs> where where do you find the bravery to do the things that you do? And how do you make New York a more comfortable place to be? Interesting. Um, yeah, I guess that um, I guess bravery comes from uh, God, that's I, that's actually a great question because I am ac- actually my like inner self is a very like anxious, um, anxious and 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 like sadness driven person. <laughs> like those are my like inner qualities. The people that know me best kind of know this like scared me, and and I find that the more often I do things that scare me, the the ultimately happier I am. And I think part of my bravery comes from just an intense desire to have a better life to be happier to, to, um, to have a life that I never could have imagined for myself, you know? Um, and oh, what? So can you tell us something that scared you and that you just faced and then kicked it in the teeth and then trampled it and then, you know, dominated it and it brought you joy? Oh, sure. Um, let's see. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go, go ahead and say that like, um, quitting, quitting my day job, to uh, my and it was really like quitting my first day job because I was um, and what was your first day job? I was the cafe manager at the Housing Works Bookstore Cafe, and I did it for two years. And it's it's a it's a tough job, and it's it's you know 
it turns into 60 to 80 hours a week because you're working with volunteers who call out and you have to just run everything. I hadn't gone home for a full year my first year in New York because you're just working every holiday. Wow. Um, but I... After two years of it, um, I was starting to play more music. Um, I had I had performed my first like solo clown show. I had I had started working on um, Spring Street with with um, my co- with my co-founder and business partner Patrick Janelle. He and I were starting to actually do more. Like I think we had just done our um, our first dinner, and he was like, I really want us to do more, more things like this. And I realized that I couldn't do it with the job that I have. But with the job that I had, I had things like insurance and a salary and a community. And I knew that if I didn't just jump, that if I didn't just like take a leap, I would never do it because I liked feeling safe. And so I quit my day job with no job prospects. And I trusted that New York would take care of me. Like I, oh, and then what happened? And New York took care of me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, I, yeah, I, I quit my day job and I gave it a month's, a month's notice, um, so that they could have ample time to uh, replace me, but also so that I could have time to figure out what I was going to do with myself. Um, because at that point, not, none of my, um, artistic pursuits were at all sustainable. Um, and yeah, that was, that was when I ended up, I, I was talking to Ramin, who was the sales rep for Intelligentsia Coffee back then, and they donated coffee to the bookstore. So I went upstairs, they, they worked in the upstairs of, um, from our building. And I was like, kiss me goodbye, Ramin, because I'm quitting. And he, he asked me what I was going to do next. And I said, I have absolutely no idea but it has to be something that accommodates my artistic lifestyle because that's what I want to focus on. And he was like, great, we'll give you a job. And I, I went and I met the manager at the Highline hotel. I was like, this is my deal. I need to be able to have a certain schedule. I need to be able to determine my schedule week by week. Um, and they, they took me in. They like scooped me up. That's extraordinary. And is there a lesson that you take from that? And the lesson is, you know, trust in New York, trust in a place, trust in the fact that what you've put sort of your energy and momentum into will carry you forward. Is that? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Like, I think you're totally right. Like, trust trusting New York is actually a really like valuable lesson to take away from that because it is scary, it is uncomfortable, and like New York sometimes makes it impossible for you to understand why you should stay here, and yet. Um, when, when you really need something or someone and, and you, you bravely put it forward more often than not, somebody in your community will, will scoop you up. You just have to be willing to, to kind of like say, I have nothing right now. (laughs) You need to fall into their spoon. Yeah. So this, this brings us to a musical interlude, I think, because the reason that you, um, quit that job was to follow your heart and your passions and one of them is making music yeah and um so can you play us something on this beautiful oh my goodness ukulele that you brought with you sure i will yes i can play something on my ukulele um okay uh so yeah it is true like i i started playing music um actually in clown school because you had to bring an instrument with you and i had had this ukulele so i brought that with me and i learned how to play it there um and Why did you have one that you did not know? Oh how to my play? goodness, it's so embarrassing. I had a crush on a boy, and I wanted to get him to um, 
uh, like me and do things with me. Therefore, I <laughs> convinced my brother to get me a ukulele for my birthday so that I could ask him to teach me ukulele lessons. Wow. And that was how I you know, wooed this person. And then after like, we went on a date, like I never played the ukulele again, uh, until Til now. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess, um, okay. So, uh, I'll play a song that's, it's about being inside of a whale. I wrote it actually for, um, I was in love with this clown, uh, like three years ago and, uh, he was about to leave to go on a cruise tour and I wanted to to write him this song to let him know that like I um, that I would stay true to him that I would like while he's off on this boat like I'm with him there um, like most love songs that you write they don't actually end up like <laughs> sticking um, but I still think it's a it's a nice song yeah okay let's see if I can make this happen okay mm. I want you even though sometimes i'm scared too and i want to be close to you and so it's hard when we fight like we do i'll say sorry first i know i was the worst version of myself i'll wait right here for the time that you decide to be near to me and when you are at sea Look for the whale that swallowed me. I'll be there with a candle casting shadows on the wall inside of something so big it's easy to feel so small. We'll sail for years. We'll share our hopes and dreams and fears in our whale. And you'll lose your teeth and I will feed you soft things like ice cream. And we'll be out at sea inside that whale that swallowed me and even though there's not a clear way out eventually we'll remember that whales have spouts would you leave with me would you want to be free out on the sea and if we climb so high wait for that perfect moment we'll sail on the wind to the sky and though i'll feel at sea out of the whale that swallowed me I know we'll weather any storm that comes our way All you have to do is look at me and I'll hear you say Let's crawl back in through his wide open mouth And I will hold you close as our whale dives farther south Take me back to sea To find the whale that swallowed me <laughs> a little it's, song it's beautiful <laughs> oh thank you for that yeah, and totally. with that we're going to take a quick break and be right back this program is brought to you by chefs collaborative a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire educate and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system chefs collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the united states Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs, including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters, who acknowledged the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chefs Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, 
change lives. Learn more about Chef's Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. We're back. This is Dana Cowan. I'm talking to Amy Virginia Buchanan. And we're going to talk about food and parties for a while. Yeah, food and parties. (laughs) A little lighter than life inside of a whale. A little lighter, yeah. (laughs) So Spring Street Social Society Hmm. is the most extraordinary idea to gather people together, to create a community, to experience unusual dining in unusual places. You and your creative partner, Patrick Janelle, came up with this in 2012, 2013? Yeah, it was was four years ago, so I guess 2012. And you have done events in extraordinary places. And could you just tell us a little bit about how the idea came together and the the challenges with taking over empty spaces and converting them into fantasies. Totally. Yeah. I mean, Spring Street started, um, it started as, as simply a cabaret in Patrick's backyard. Like when we met each other, he said, I have a backyard in Soho and I want to put on a play. And I said, plays are hard, but I could make (laughs) you a cabaret next week. And we, we put on our first cabaret two weeks after we met and the great thing was, and, and it's not just the great thing about it when we started, but it's the great thing about it still is that it was never defined as anything. It's always been called Spring Street Social Society, um, but it 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 is forever fluid and shifting. You know, we did nine months of cabarets, and then Patrick said, "Hey, I know so many great chefs through Bon Appetit. He was he was at Bon Appetit at the time, and through Instagram, we should do a dinner and." After we did our first dinner, then we, we we started doing dinners, and then we started doing salons and, and original theater, and all of it, since it began in his backyard where you had to, you actually, we went down through the basement of the bakery next door, and then you would emerge into his backyard, so we kind of set this precedent of... Um, secret, yeah, secret spaces and like unusual places to be. Like, who has a backyard in Soho? You know, and so and so we forever still now. You know, I mean, at the end of this year, we'll have done twenty one events, and every one is in a unique space in New York or Los Angeles. And typically, they're spaces that are without kitchens. Sometimes they're spaces without electricity or public or like bathrooms that are accessible. And we have to figure out how to make it. Um, not just functional, but also like, you know, functional and legal. And, and there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Um, but it's, oh, sorry. You make it sound as though it it was such an easy thing. You know, you start, (laughs) I think Patrick started and he, you know, he built a stage in his backyard and then all of a sudden you're doing these productions and now you're in Los Angeles and you've expanded. But what were the, the challenges was it finding the people? Curating the talent is easy for you because you know so many performers. Uh, Patrick's reach on social, on Instagram, is gigantic. Mm-hmm. You have members. You've created this community. Like, you make it sound so simple. It's, what, it's impossible. What is the wall that you walked through? And how did you blast through that wall to make this fantasy? Oh, you know, I think, honestly, I think it's just... Um, the, the the wall that we blasted through was the intense desire to maintain artistic integrity and the willingness to drive ourselves absolutely insane in that attempt. I've never met anyone who is as crazy as I am until I met Patrick and he might be crazier. And, and honestly, like he, by, by having a creative partner that is like this, this knife sharpener, 
you know, like we are, we are constantly working to make everything we do better than the last thing that we did. And I remember it was during my like barista year, which wasn't just my barista year. It was my barista cater waiter, back of house catering kitchen and nanny year. I was working four day jobs and sleeping zero. Um, and in this, in the like springtime summer, um, we got an offer for like a money gig, like someone offered to hire us to initially we thought, um, use our, our artistic talent to make this magnificent event. And we were so excited and we were three weeks into conversations when it finally dawned on us that it went from, we want your artistic talent to please be our catering company and do everything that we're telling you to do. And I remember having a FaceTime with Patrick, like we, we got on, that was like back when FaceTime was like <laughs> still very novel and we got on FaceTime and I was like looking him in the eyes and, and having like not slept for half a year already I was like we can't we can't take this and he's like right like we can't it feels bad like we both felt bad and it was because we knew that if we stuck with it eventually we would we would be seen for and and make money off of like become sustainable for what we want we just had to stick with it and I think that was the hardest part was was being able to pinpoint what it is that we're good at which is curation and and imagination um the ideas that we come up with surprise us sometimes you know and um and it was it was really hard at first, but then at the end of the year, we got hired by American Express to do this big event for Small Business Saturdays, and they hired us to be the creative leads. And we had this whole team that was producing for us, and that felt like success. That was the moment. So let's talk about we for a minute, mm-hmm. because it's something that you've talked about, the power of we. You and Patrick yeah. doing something with someone who doesn't say, oh, I'll help you with your problem. Mm -hmm. But this is our problem, whether it's a personal problem or whether it's a business problem. I feel as though you've locked the unpower of we, and it's very powerful. (laughs) So could you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely come a long way. Um, Patrick and I joke about being uh, a couple because also because uh, we are a couple like at this point, you know, like, like he's my emergency contact when I'm filling out forms at the hospital. Um, but we've had so many extremely honest and difficult conversations when our feelings are hurt, when we feel like either one of our artistic integrity is being sacrificed for the benefit of the other person. Um, we, we're very open about, when we're angry with each other and then we're also very good at apologizing and admitting fault when we're wrong. And I think a big part of that comes from the fact that we, we weren't friends before we started. We had this project, we had this little baby that we wanted to grow and that we believe in. And, and through working together, we had developed such intense mutual respect, um, that, that we isn't even a question anymore, you know, like it's true. Like if, if, if it's work related, it's obviously we, we are business partners. Um, we always make that very clear whenever, whenever people are talking about it as like one of our individual projects. Um, but also when, when personal tragedy hits, the, the response is we are going to get through this or how can we get through this, you know? Um, and that is, it, it really is so powerful and it's taught me a lot about having 
not just a good relationship with my business partner, but with every single person that I interact with, um, to be so honest with somebody and to be so open is actually, um, great. It's, it's, not, it's scary, but it's great. It also takes work. Yeah. So, so much. <laughs> I think we all would like to have a, we, mm-hmm. because we all want to be not alone. Yeah. And I think you're acknowledging how hard the we is, but how satisfying exactly. And how life changing. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not a ro- in this case, it's not a romantic we, but you can have we's all around you. Totally. Just the echo of people helping you and being by your side because there is change in life. There are challenges and successes. Absolutely. So we were talking a little bit about success mm-hmm. and how the American Express moment and doing that event with them felt like success. Yeah. Can you describe what that scene was? What did it sound like? What did it feel like? What did it smell like? That moment where you're like, that's, this is success for, totally. for me. I mean, you mean the, the, the moment that on the event, uh, that event? Yeah, totally. I mean, it was a walking tour through Soho. We convinced a number of small businesses to stay open. We set up bars in some of them. So you were walking around getting cocktails. We also had like performance art happening. So you show up at a certain time at this street corner and then there's this like big acapella troupe that's like singing from all the different corners. There's jugglers. There's, there's this beautiful dance happening with like hundreds of balloons that we like had like going around them as they're like dancing in these balloons and and that whole running around and watching all of those things happen was exhilarating for me it was it was um great to see that there were people standing there watching strangers and then when i walked into the final party um the final like moment of the event was at the housing works bookstore which um brad minor who was the the um the guy at American Express who had who had reached out to hire us initially, he um, had strong connections to Housing Works, and he knew that I had strong connections to Housing Works, and so it, it, he really wanted to like have. And that Spring Street had like we had done um, one of our first cabarets was at the bookstore actually, um, so he wanted to have this big thing there. And I walked into a room full of people. Um, my friend Michael was juggling. There were people with, uh, I, I hired some of my playwright friends to sit and, and they were typewriting stories to people, giving them these interesting characters and people are walking around like reading the thing that they had written. Meanwhile, um, my friend's band, uh, Avon Lava, they were, they were playing and my other friend was DJing and, and it was this room full of people that I love that are making something huge happen. And I got to, like, I got to say, do you want to do it? You know, <laughs> like that was that moment. Like Patrick and I looked at each other and we were like, this feels right. This is, this looks and feels like us, you know? It's almost like setting up your perfect wedding. It's all your best friends. It's <laughs> yeah. all, it's, you know. Spring Street is like a constant series of me and Patrick putting on our perfect weddings. <laughs> Except <laughs> other people who you don't know. Yeah, like, the people we don't know attend. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it is, and it does like the, I, uh, I knew a little bit about hospitality from having worked, um, having worked in cafes and in, in kitchens. Um, but I, but I really only knew it as day job. And it was through Spring Street that I learned it as art form. 
that I got to work with these chefs and, and, and taste things that I had never tasted before. Like, um, smell things that when you walk into a room that smells the way these rooms smell, you feel comfort and excitement and, and it triggers all of these emotions in you that are so spectacular. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really exciting when I talk about like artistic Venn diagrams and how Spring Street is this, this whole big artistic community. Um, I feel like sometimes art communities in New York get a little insular, you know, like that's the theater community, that's the music community. But the cool thing about a Spring Street event is that everyone is an artist, the mixologist, the florist, the calligrapher, the chef, the sommelier, the musician, the dancers, the the juggler, that like everyone is coming and bringing this thing that they are an expert at. And so then that makes it so that every moment of it is exciting, you know? I haven't been able to attend one, but everyone <laughs> I've seen pictures of or read about seems like the best party on earth with the, the best <laughs> people. So I like that. that I'll take that. Um, the success that you've had, in some ways, it's very hard won. You had to struggle to get there, maintain your integrity to get as far as you have. It's been very important. When in defining success, but some of those seem like traditional forms of success. Mm-hmm. People come, They, you know, you have sponsors, so there's money. But I'm wondering... Um, you grew up with a brother with Downs, mm-hmm. and you wrote what looks like a remarkable play and performed um, about your relationship with him. And I'm wondering if in some way he and his life have influenced the way that you think about what success is mm-hmm. and what you're aiming for in life and what happiness means. Totally. Um I mean, absolutely. Like he, you know, he was my big, he was my, he's my oldest brother. Um, and you know, he, you know, he he recently passed away. Um, he actually passed almost exactly four months ago and it was, you know, three months after I had performed this play all about my, my brother. So I had been thinking about him so intensely this year and in in the wake of him passing, I've been thinking a lot about what I've learned from him and what I still have to learn from him. And when I went to his funeral, it was the biggest turnout for a person's life that I had ever seen. I was so impressed and so amazed. And I had people coming up to me because I only go back to North Dakota once a year, maybe twice a year. Um, so I'm not a part of his, his everyday life other than the fact that he would call me five times a day. But, um, I, I was meeting the people that spent their lives with him, his care, his caregivers, um, the people that would come and like take him to work, the people that worked with him at the Olive Garden. Um, I had a woman from the from Blockbuster come up to me and be like, Blockbuster closed three years ago, but I still wanted to come to his funeral and meet your family because I had to tell you that he was the thing I look forward to on Fridays and he made my job better, you know? He had, he was the front page of the newspaper that week. Like his funeral announcement was a whole page and an article about the effect that he had on their community. And I think the thing that I really take away from Michael, especially in, in reference to Spring Street, is, is his want for building a community around himself and his ability to treat every single person that he interacted with well. 
like he treated everyone well. His birthday parties were like, you know, the entire football team from North Dakota State, the local weatherman, as well as, I don't know, like the the janitor from the high school that he had met once, you know, like he... He invited every single person to it. And when everyone walked in the door, he was just as excited to see whoever was coming in as he was to see the last person who came in. And and you couldn't help but feel like a million bucks when you were around him. And he wanted life to be this big, wonderful party. He always wanted more for himself than, than he even knew that he could achieve. And... And I think that there's, in terms of aspirational living, like we talk a lot about like what is, what is aspirational and like how do we want to like perceive ourselves like that guy had, had a life well lived and he, he did what he wanted and he was good to other people. And I really do think at the core of it, Spring Street is about making these nights that feel magical where we do everything that we want to do, where we let ourselves be a little cheesy because it feels good actually, you know, and we, and we indulge, but not in ways that, that are, we indulge, but then we feel still humble and grateful at the end of the night. You know, I love the way those two things reinforce each other, Mm. the lessons from your family and your brother and the work that you do today. And I think we'll end with a, a lightning round. Ooh, okay. Love Light it. and fun. Okay. Lightning you're, round. You're a barista. What's your coffee? What's my coffee? Oh my goodness. Um, I, I'm a region person. So uh, Ethiopia or Kenya. Uh, and I want it black or as a cortado. Uh, favorite book? To Kill a Mockingbird. Movie? <laughs> Singing in the Rain. Uh, dance performer? Dance performer? My friend Jillian Hollis. Um, food. Oh, oh, uh, that's hard. Oh my goodness, because I only started liking vegetables like seven years ago. Um, the whole vegetable kingdom. All vegetables. I like. I like them now. <laughs> <laughs> um, artist. Um, mm. Klimt. And where in the entire world would you go to have the best meal on earth and what would it be? Oh, wow. The best meal on earth and what would it be? I think right now I would, considering how, I, how I'm feeling and what's going on in, in, in my, my own personal world, um, I would go over to my friend Lauren's house um, and I would have Lauren and Flannery, Lauren, Gary, and Flannery Colton. I would have them cook me a meal. What do you think they're going to make for you? Oh my goodness! Um, I they just so they well, just it doesn't matter. I, I honestly, I, I the thing is, I like being surprised. I want to go to a restaurant and not be told what I'm going to eat, and then have it just be presented to me. So I would probably tell them how I'm feeling. I would give them like some descriptors of. <laughs> what I want. Um, not related to food, but related to like feelings and emotions and uh, maybe some like colors or like interesting adjectives. And then I would, I would be excited to see what they turn out. Today, my guest has been Amy Virginia Buchanan. Your stories have moved me to tears, not something that people, listeners can see, but being with you has really inspired me today. 
to follow me on my adventures, you can find me at FW Scout on Instagram and Twitter, as well as at Speaking Broadly. All of my shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org. You can also find them on iTunes and Stitcher. I'd love to get your feedback, people, other people who you'd love to hear me interview. I want to thank my engineer today, David Tadashor, and all of you listeners for joining me. Thanks so much. Until next time, this is Dana Cowan and Speaking Broadly. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.